All right. Well, we are live. So Daryl and I are going to give, we're the only two hosts that have not given our most impactful geek stories. We're the and, slackers. All right, we're the slackers. And, and yeah. these stories are going to be across all different sorts of mediums. So we're going to talk about movies. We're going to talk about TV shows. We're going to talk about books and comics, um, all kinds of stuff. The most impactful um, stories to us. Uh, which which is an interesting question, and I came up with answers that I did not expect because of that criteria. Yeah, me too. It was hard. It like, was difficult, yeah. Top 10 lists are way easier than this. Way easier, yeah, way easier. In fact, as I listened to the rest of the crew, I didn't realize how difficult it was because they made it sound so easy. And then it was like, how am I supposed to do this? But anyways. Yeah. Um, so we're going to do that. We're going to go over our most impactful geek stories and then we're going to talk a little bit more about the upcoming shows and the 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 little bit out farther future yeah. of the podcast, which would be good. So I'm going to host this portion of the show, and then Daryl's going to host the second half of the show, and it'll be a fun conversation. Anything else, Daryl, before we get started? No, I don't think so. I'm ready to go. Yeah, I'm ready to go, too. It is a crazy time out there. It is nice to get away from the insanely negative news and i realize i say negative and i realize that it's something that we have to deal with and i'm totally on board with that the story geeks are totally on board with making um equality especially with the black community with especially totally. in terms of law enforcement we are 100 behind um uh that happening but um but it's so think- discouraging isn't it i mean it's just like it can there's, weigh on you. It can weigh on you. There's so much pain and darkness in the world. And then yesterday we had an earthquake. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I mean, a I little one, you know, it doesn't, it didn't really count, but yeah, still, it's just, like, I, didn't, even right, feel, I didn't even feel that one. Well, we have some people saying, hi, unfortunately it doesn't give me the Facebook user's name. So if you're going to make a comment on Facebook, just throw in like who you, who you are. <laughs> so I, that's all I know. Um, Jim, it gives me Jim Baldwin because Jim Baldwin has a, a YouTube account. So if you're on YouTube, it'll let me know who you are, but if, otherwise you gotta let me know who you are. All right, so we are going to um, jump into this. We are going to talk about our most impactful geek stories, starting with movies. And, of course, uh, you know, Daryl, that I can't really... Oh, it's Josh Taylor. What's up, Josh Taylor? Hey! Um, I, I have a very hard time sticking to one movie, and so I have several mentions here. Everyone, All the other hosts are making fun of me for it. Well, um, I know that about you, and that actually lightened the load for me, because I'm like, well, Jay's not going to obey the rules, so that's right, that's I don't right. really have to either. Yeah, you, and and why should you? Why should anybody yeah. obey the rules? Um, and what's up, Mary? Uh, it's good to have you here too. So, Daryl, tell me, what what are your most impactful geek movies and why? Okay, well, I did pick one that is above all the others, but I'll get to that last. So, <laughs> um, I kind of, you know, I I I've got a, a few here. I've got six, but one which is the real answer. Okay. Um, but there's a few things that I had to point out, like. I've loved comic books and superheroes my whole life. And part of the reason for that is this. Ah. It is Superman the movie. This came out two years after I was born. Mm. And so I've just always had this bright, colored, optimistic version of superheroes in my head. And it's sort of... (laughs) It stuck with me forever. So, and yet you're that, a Nolan, and yet you're a Nolan fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, that's a big thing too. And then I've been a huge sci-fi fan my whole life. Obviously, you can attribute that to Star Wars. You can attribute it to Star Trek. 
right. um, Back to the Future, you mm-hmm. know, and Star Wars and Back to the Future have special places in my heart, not just because they're fantastic, but because my family used to go to Colorado every summer mm-hmm. and we would drive in a motorhome. And so we'd be in the motorhome for a few days because we'd go slow. And my brother and I would always go to the back where there was a TV. And every year we would watch the Star Wars trilogy and the Back to the Future trilogy and the Indiana Jones trilogy all the way through. So those have special places in my heart. Um, One of these that kind of surprised me when I was thinking about this, um, thinking back to like why I love sci-fi and my roots Mm. of sci-fi and stuff. Yeah. I would not ever put James Cameron at the top of my list of favorite filmmakers. Um, but The Abyss. Oh. How do, I, how do I not get a glare? There we go. The Abyss. Nice. The Abyss is a big deal for me. Like when I saw that movie, my mind was blown. Like sci fi, not in space. You can have sci fi without being in space. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have to talk about the MCU. Right, mm. because the MCU is amazing. Got to do it. Um, Captain America, you know, he is one of my favorite cinematic characters of all time. And the Winter Soldier was the movie that really made me love him as a character. Oh yeah, totally. Um, and then, if you're talking about pure emotionality, like the movie that made me cry more than anything else, might be Endgame. I mean, come on. Yeah. More, and then, are you saying that in the MCU, or are you saying that just overall? Overall. Mm. definitely in the mcu but and then i mean my arguably my favorite movie right now is a quiet place i gotta learn how to get these on screen properly there we go <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um krasinski's a quiet place yeah I, I mean just you know it dethroned what used to be my favorite movie and it's it's just it's the best movie about family that i've ever seen yeah, yeah, yeah. Never mind the fact that it has aliens and suspense and stuff like that, but right. It's just a beautiful film. So that became my favorite movie. But if I'm being honest, well, before you most, go, before before you go there, before you go there, yeah, I want someone to come out with a theory, a fan theory, about how some good news and a quiet place are in the same universe. <laughs> I want to, I want to see what that movie looks like. <laughs> yeah, and what's or, up? What's up, so random? Good to see you. Or we'll find out that Michael Scott is in The Quiet Place Part 2. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's part of the Space Force? Is that what it yeah. is? Did you watch I, that? I haven't watched that yet, no. Is it good? It's okay. I, yeah, it's all right. I That's what everyone it. says. Everyone says they're like, yeah, it's all right. It's good. Yeah. It's funny. Um, but, I mean, there's no getting around it for me. There's been one movie my entire life that I've looked forward to more than anything else in the mm-hmm. history of cinema. And it delivered better than anything else that I had that much anticipation for. And um, we'll go through a bunch of other reasons why it's my most impactful film, but it is the dark. Oh, the dark. It is the dark night. The dark night. So, I mean, you know, okay, so Batman Begins comes along, right? Right, right. And to date, at that point. Terrible movie. Yeah. How how, how are they going to recover from that? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) How did Nolan ever get another job? That's right. That's right. But for me, there hadn't been a great Batman on screen yet. Now, when we get to the TV section, I'll talk about how Adam West definitely had a big impact on me. Um, And Tim Burton's film, uh, you know, they, of course, had a big impact on me, too. Mm -hmm. The Joel Schumacher ones were good for a laugh. (laughs) And so, but there was just not 
my Batman on screen. And I hesitate to say that because I don't like being that picky, but there just wasn't a Batman on screen that I'm like, that's amazing. Uh, okay. And then Batman Begins came out and I'm like, oh, it's almost there. I'm like, this is so much better. It's yeah. almost there. <laughs> and then The Dark Knight. And The Dark Knight just, I mean, it's the gold standard for superhero movies mm, still, mm, mm. you know? And it is just an amazing movie on every level. And I remember when it was in production mm. and I, I remember all the emotions of like, uh, you know, finding out that Heath Ledger was playing the Joker and I'm oh. like, like Heath Ledger, like the good looking <laughs> right. dude from a night's tale is going to play the Joker. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, doesn't make yeah. any sense. Like what is it all about? And then they started releasing shots of him and clips and stuff like that. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Yeah. And then he died. And yeah, crazy. And that, I mean, I remember how hurtful that was as a fan. I was just like, Oh my gosh. Like I still remember it right. when it happened. You and I used to work together at a company mm -hmm. and I was at work and one of our coworkers came in and was like, Oh man, I heard your boy died. And I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I wasn't married yet, so I didn't have kids. So like that yeah. would have been a horrific thing to hear, but somebody check on Brad. <laughs> yeah. Our, co our coworker Brad. <laughs> so I'm like, what does that mean? And then I'm like, he's like, Oh, that Heath Ledger guy. I'm like, what do you mean he died? He's, and then I looked it up and sure enough. And I was just like, I was shocked. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, it was one of those movies that just sort of had that cloud hanging over it. Right. And, right. You know, for better or for worse, that just makes movies feel so much more. They have, they have so much more gravity to them, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. The Crow, the Crow was the same way back in the 90s when it came out after Brandon Lee had died on the set of that. And so I just, I don't think there's been a movie that hit me harder than The Dark Knight has and has stuck with me as long as The Dark Knight has. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's uh I think that it's super impactful it, it, and I think that it's a I mean it, it sort of shaped the genre and I will tell you that my most impactful movie uh it would not be possible had the Dark Knight come out not had the Nolan trilogy really not come out. So yours is so, the Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, until I, I wouldn't be wearing a mask outside today if it wasn't for Bane. <laughs> uh, no, no, the no. king of social distancing. <laughs> the king of social distancing. Yeah. Do you feel in control? And then, oh, no, I don't. It's a virus in control. Um, so I, I do have The Dark Knight, Batman Begins, uh, and Wonder Woman all on my list because they all yeah. dealt with societal issues from multiple perspectives and i love that i love how nolan and patty jenkins just they know how to to, to tell that narrative from different angles um i have road to perdition and unbreakables because not all geek movies need need to be like oh, film unbreakable but, dang it yeah unbreakable there's, right? there's too many but not all geek movies need to be filmed in like this grandiose way right like those are like almost art house films the way that those films are made and that was impactful to me to be able to see that because it made me think differently about how the genre should be mm -hmm. um of course i have to put have to put raiders of the lost ark on my honorable mentions because raiders of the lost ark is why i fell in love with storytelling i mean if i if yeah. i were to tell you today like why am i a writer partially it's because of raiders of the lost ark and i i just love that film so much 
I thought that was going to be your answer. Now I'm... No, you, my answer is going to shock you. My answer if, is it's, shock you. if it's not Empire Strikes Back, I'm logging off. <laughs> Bye. <I'm just> <laughs> <laughs> I do have Star Wars on here. And I just kind of like Star Wars is a blanket term because that has inspired me to think beyond the confounds or confines, I should say, without of our current time frame, right? Like just a galaxy far, far, you know, this kind of thing where it's like a long time, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away is... Mm -hmm. So inspirational for a lot of science fiction. I think that's great. Back to the Future as a geek movies can just be fun. You know, like that's amazing too. And then Guardians of the Galaxy because the, the power of ensemble. But those, as I thought about it, like those were all honorable mentions. They were not the most impactful geek movies to me. Um, and so I have two and the, the, these two movies go hand in hand together. Do you want to take a guess at this? Of course you have two. Do you want to guess? <laughs> uh, man, they go hand in hand. So Yeah, they go hand in hand. Like, are they a franchise? No, no, but it's uh, same voice. Same voice. Um, See if anyone else can guess, too, in the comments, if you want to try and guess. Uh, okay, maybe I'll say... The Fast and the Furious and Triple X. It's got to be it, right? Yeah. I never, I, I just thought a bald, a bald man could never be a star. And then Vin Diesel came along. <laughs> no, no, that's not it. Um, no, what actually my two, my two most impactful geek movies were made by the same person, directed by the same person. And it's actually Watchmen and Man of Steel. Those are the two most oh. impactful movies to me. Yeah. So let me just talk about why. Um, the first is that both are visually stunning. Um, to the point of revolutionary, honestly, like the opening sequence of Watchmen is one of the most beautiful sequences I've ever seen on film. Um, some of the really intimate shots in Man of Steel are some of the most beautiful things I've seen in a geek film. Um, Man of Steel is incredibly personal. Like the way that the Superman goes on his journey is the emotions are really deep. The fact that Clark is an alien and feels isolated really comes through in that movie. Um, Watchmen doesn't quite have that from a personal, from a, like a really personal perspective, but it does have, uh, it is a tragedy that calls into question our obsession with superheroes and it calls into question our impulses to revere flawed people. And I love that aspect of, of Watchmen. Um, very, only very occasionally do geek films also work as deeply poignant works of art. And I know a lot of people will disagree with me when I say this, but I feel like both Watchmen and Man of Steel are works of art for me. They're not flawless. Um, they're not flawless at all. But they just really increased my interest in the genre. Um, to, 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 to double down on the point about the visual quality of the film, we actually stylized uh, Star Wars Rivals, our Star Wars fan fil film, based on Man of Steel and based mm -hmm. on the Man of Steel trailer especially. And so that was just, that's just direct impact, right? Like I, I created something that was inspired by this thing. Um, and I think that like Star Wars Rivals ends in a very like pseudo tragic way, sort of the way that Watchmen ends in a pseudo tragic way. And I, um, so, the, so when I look at those films and I look at what they inspired me to do, it's like a direct connection to those films. And I know that Zack Snyder is a controversial figure. I know that a lot of people don't like what he has done in the past but of all the films that he's created those two are by far my favorite two 
And I think that they have a lot of really important things to say about the world and about characters. And um, yeah. So probably surprised you though, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, yes and no. I mean, you're the very first episode of this podcast was on the man of steel. True. So, I yeah. mean, that's a beautiful movie. Like I get the music from that movie stuck in my head a lot. It's just so, so big, you know, yeah. and so inspiring, yeah. but yeah, that movie's fantastic. I obviously don't feel the same way about Watchmen as you do. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. I'm not a fan of that one. You should clarify, by the way, for people that may not know what Star Wars Rivals is. Oh, Star Wars Rivals is the uh, Star Wars fan film that the Reclamation Society produced. And um, it's not on the Story Geeks YouTube channel. It's actually on the Reclamation Society YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash the, Re <clears throat> the Reclamation Society. All one, all one big thing. There's no spaces or anything youtube.com slash the reclamation society and uh we created that in 2016 and um mostly i mean you go on a star wars fan film and mostly you see a lot of star wars fandom criticism <laughs> yeah but we've been really we've been really fortunate with that film we have not got a lot of criticism there's a few things there's like a few if, if you look at all the comments of all the people that have commented there's only a few that are negative there's a couple that i deleted only because they were super inappropriate and i you know you can say something bad about whatever i do but if you say something inappropriate about my friends then i'm like you're deleted <laughs> yeah um so uh i mean comments deleted i don't mean like i'm still not gonna violently attack you but anyways yeah so it's that's you can go check that out um and really quick before we move on to the TV shows, I just want to point out that um, Jim Baldwin has said he he was guessing Event Horizon for me. <laughs> that would that would be truly scary if it was that was impactful to uh, you know I hadn't thought about negatively impactful. I guess that one might have made my list. That's why I don't want to go to space. Event Horizon, The Exorcist. Eef. Yeah, things well, I like erase from my brain. Would The Exorcist count as a geek movie? I feel like The Exorcist would not count as a geek movie. Well, I guess I that mean, depends on your perspective, it's huh? It's paranormal. <laughs> I guess it's paranormal, I guess. but I guess, I mean, I, would th I think it would. I guess it depends on your perspective and your definition of a geek movie. Our, our definition is pretty niche and kind of, you know, made up. So yeah. based on our <laughs> definition, true, and based on our beliefs, maybe technically it's not. But yeah, yeah, I don't but know. But it probably is. That's our next podcast. <laughs> no, it's, not. <laughs> it's definitely not. It's really not. Um, so we got a couple more comments. Uh, Mary Baldwin says ET from her childhood, um, which is a great choice. That's great. That's a great one. Um, and then Josh Taylor from Network 1901 um, <laughs> says that Watchmen had such an impact on comics. It really did. Um, you know, Alan Moore when he wrote Watchmen was actually sort of being critical of the genre in terms of its idolization of its heroes and so he specifically brought about a story that um you know would have a, have issues with that but josh also says that back to the future is his most impactful film and that's hilarious because we did a back to the future podcast with josh we taylor did. he yes. loves the heck out of that movie and rightfully so i feel like josh taylor is the marty mcfly that we need today yeah you know I think so. If, if if he had a hoverboard, he's he's a shoe in. I feel like he's a shoe in. Um, and he just realized that we did that. <laughs> that we did a podcast with him. We did do that, Josh. We did do that. You can go watch the videos on YouTube if you want to. All right, uh, Daryl. 
I almost said Josh. All right, Daryl, let's talk about our most impactful TV shows. What's your most impactful TV show? Yeah, TV shows. Man, I've been watching TV a long time. So, um, I mean, when I was a kid, anytime you're, there's there's going to be a through line to the stuff that I talk about, and it's going to be Batman. So just settle in for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, wow, that's heavy. Good, Josh. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I never got more excited in a TV show than when I saw Batman. So whether it was Adam West and Burt Ward, whether it was a, a Super Friends cartoon, whether mm. it was a freaking Scooby-Doo cartoon with Batman and Robin as the guest stars, you know, that was a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I got so excited. So when the Batman animated series came out, that was a big deal for me because that was serious. Like that was mm. real Batman, you know? Yeah. Um, and it gave us Kevin Conroy as the Mm. voice of Batman, which is still, when I read a Batman comic, that's whose voice is in my head. But that's not my real answer. That was just, you know, part of my journey. That's what Nick said. Um, Nick said he had Batman, the animated series was his top. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a huge, huge deal. But I don't think I can get around the impact of um, Buffy and Angel and really specifically Angel more so Mm. than Buffy. Um, Partly because what I love about TV is serialized storytelling. I love characters that evolve and go through through changes. Mm. And, um, you know, not just your, uh, not your sort of typical like procedural shows where people don't really change. It's just kind of a Mm. new story set in the same setting. But when things really change and things really get impacted and you get to go on a journey with these people, and um, Buffy was the first time that I really got that. Mm. It was the first time that I was like, oh, crap, I can't miss an episode, <laughs> you know, because right, right, it informs right. what's happening next. Mm-hmm. And um, Buffy was such a cool combination of fun and goofiness, but also like seriously high stakes and some serious gravity you get later in the series. Mm. Um, and then... Uh, you know, throughout the time, throughout watching that show, I kept finding myself thinking, well, the best character on the show is Angel. Um, mm. He's really, really cool. And then I find out during Buffy season three that Angel's getting spun off. He's getting his own series. And I'm yeah, like, have his own show. Yeah. oh my gosh. <laughs> and so, and that to this day is probably still my favorite TV show that has ever happened. And oddly enough, it's, it's, it's because it's the best live action Batman TV show we've ever had. Mm-hmm. in my opinion and i know it's not a batman show but it really is i mean mm-hmm. if you watch it angel really is batman and you know, um, I, I didn't watch either of those shows all that much so i just need to whenever they're on netflix or whenever they're on wherever they're going to be i need to check them out yeah and i i mean i'm not a vampire and i haven't slaughtered hundreds of people so i don't know why i identified with them so well but uh yeah, just dozens. I mean, not hundreds, but dozens. Yeah, yeah, I haven't quite hit triple digits yet, but <laughs> That's right. he's, uh, he, you know, he was just, he was constantly on a journey for redemption, something that he wasn't really ever going to find. Mm. And it was just a compelling angle that was never going to be solved. And that mm. kept it interesting the whole way through, you know? Yeah. yeah. And uh, I don't think it got the ending that it, should have gotten it sort of got to end but not really 
Mm. Um, but I just, I loved that show and I loved David Boreanaz as that character. And I can't watch him do anything else these days without seeing Angel. Yeah. You know, I'm like, why is Angel dressed up as a SEAL team member? You know, those things don't make any <laughs> sense to me. And But um, that show, man, like that was sort of like comic book storytelling in a TV show done mm. really, really well. Mm. Yeah, it makes sense. And ironically, since then, it's gone the other direction. Now they're, we don't have the show, but now there are actually really good Angel comics. So, Oh, no way. That's yeah. cool. At least it picked up that way. That's kind of nice. Yeah. Before I get into mine, um, so random had said that uh, the, their three most impactful geek TV shows are Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 2003, The Spectacular Spider-Man, and Lost. So there you go. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so Josh Taylor puts a comment in that says, vampires can be identified with because they are those on the outside looking in and very flawed characters who usually have inner struggles. That's dead on. That's true. Yeah, and I always recognize them when they sparkle. <laughs> How dare you? Oh, I'll see myself out. I'll see yep. myself out. Yes, and Monty, Monty Thigpen is here. Monty Thigpen is here. What's up, Monty? Good to see you. You know, buddy. if you're going to bring up sparkly vampires, you may as well throw out the little bit of real-life trivia about the final Twilight film. That we went to see it together? That we went to see it together. <laughs> with, yeah, our wives, with our wives. With our wives. Yes. Who were the real fans of the series? Not yeah, us. Yeah, that's not us. Yeah, I mean, I don't have any posters of Edward and is it Jacob? <laughs> I can't make a joke because I don't know the characters. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, Jim Baldwin, by the way, says that his uh, most influential TV shows are Batman '66 and Star Trek, which we've heard from Jim before in in slightly different ways. So yeah, and by not the way, surprising. speaking of Batman, talking about Batman to Angel to mm -hmm. Twilight. Yeah. And now the new Batman, Robert is, Pattinson. It's all, it all around, man. Dude, it is all conspiracy theory, is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a conspiracy theory. Um uh oh, okay. So this is a good uh I, I believe this is probably Mary, but Mary brings up Battlestar Galactica, and that's a good segue into mine, which is not Battlestar Galactica. Well, she's probably my... talking about the original Battlestar Galactica. Uh oh yeah the original yeah she which is, she is should be in my list too I mean that oh I loved that show so much and she says she met the guy that played Boomer I yeah. met him too at a convention maybe the really? same might have been the same convention um super cool super cool guy really nice well I'm referring to the reboot so I'm referring to the Battlestar Galactica, yeah. Battlestar Galactica reboot because the show that is most impactful to me came out of the same era as Battlestar Galactica as Lost as some of these really big shows that I think ushered in. Because um, you had like a slightly older shows, like what you're talking about with Buffy and Angel, and then you had um, uh, X-Files. How dare you? Yeah, just a slightly older. X-Files. slightly older. <laughs> I no, am. I am. Most of, most of our fans. <laughs> but those shows came out of a, a sort of an... So those shows built a, a framework for the Battlestars and the Losts and all of those. Really I know where you're going of, with this one, I think. Do you? Do you know where yeah. you're going? Is so it not an entire show and just one season of a show? Yeah, you can't spoil it. You can't yeah, spoil yeah. it. <laughs> just one season of the show because the rest of the show is horrible. The rest of the seasons were horrible. But the first season of... Heroes. Heroes. The first season of Heroes, I thought it was a masterpiece. I mean, I um, went through 
a complete set of emotions on the that show. The show had really compelling characters and very interesting situations. Yeah, they were coming from all over the world. It was a it was a um, a fairly diverse cast. Um, it was funny. It was emotional. Uh, the lead character who's trying to figure out they're all trying to figure out their powers at once, uh, which is really fascinating. Uh, Peter Petrelli was played as a, a nurse, and he, so he had sort of this like good heart about him. But then you had the um, uh, the character played by um, Zachary Quinto. Um, oh shoot! Yeah, Siler is it Siler? Siler, yes. Yeah. Um, he was like an isolated person. And so he started to develop this like villain type characteristics, just really, 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 really solid um, show. I mean, it was an amazing show. It's really disappointing because the show was just like, just dove off the side of a, dove off the side of a cliff. It did, especially um, Siler. Like he was so <laughs> dark and, and foreboding in that first season. Yeah. And then in the later seasons, they're showing you like his childhood and you meet yeah. his mother. And it's like <laughs> so weird. <laughs> but one of the things I loved about that show is that they would actually go through the artwork that they used to sort of create the show. And they, they drew the characters into the show. I just felt like that was a really cool way of putting like comic book art into your comic book show. And I thought that was yeah. really cool. So and I, and I think that show, it really did lose steam because there was a writer's strike around that time now it really like hurt the show and also jeff loeb who every time i see jeff loeb as an executive producer on something i know that i'm gonna probably enjoy it one way or another um he left the show um and so yeah. i think that that really hurt it overall but man i really love that show for the time that it was jeff loeb there. also amazing amazing comic book writer yeah yeah great comic book writer and you know the the other problem with hush I mean, hush <laughs> it's in my head because jeff Lowe wrote hush that's what oh yeah head. yeah yeah. the other problem with heroes um when i i believe when it started it was supposed to be an anthology series the second season was supposed to be an entirely different cast with an entirely different story yep. and they abandoned that and tried to carry on the story of the original cast Everyone loved the characters so much that they just yeah. kind of kept trying to milk the characters and it wasn't going to work. And they probably did that because they probably felt like, well, we don't have as strong as writers anymore to be able to pull this off. So let's just use the same characters and people will come back because they love the characters. But it's not exactly how that works. So um, Josh Taylor says that his uh, top geek show is Twilight Zone. So there you go. We don't have anything without, without Twilight Zone, right? I mean, You don't have anything without so Twilight Zone. Star Trek. I don't have anything without Star Trek either. So shout out to Jim. All right, so let's get into the other the other kinds of stories. So I have on my list, just so you know, I have on my list, I have uh, attractions, if you will, <laughs> like themed kind of like yeah. entertainment. You got to know where I'm going to go with that. Mm -hmm. Then I also have uh, video games and I have a book. So what's on your list in regards to this one? Pretty much comics. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I mean... I haven't been a big video game person. I've played a lot of video games, but not like, not like a gamer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like yeah. I've played lots of Nintendo. <laughs> right, right. But um, for me, I mean, the other the other realm really is comics, mm. which is why I think I love storytelling as much as I did, mm. as I do, is because I discovered comics mm. in the eighties. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, I can. Do you want me to go into that now, or do you? Want yeah, to... no, no, jump. Yeah, jump into it. What's your? Okay. Uh, what are the comics? Well, I've got a few here. Um, I'll start 
sort of in the present and work backwards because, you know, when I got into comics, I got into superheroes and I discovered, yeah. like, I loved Batman cartoons and TV shows and stuff like that. But I discovered Batman in the comics and I discovered what the comics were really doing and how much deeper the storytelling was than what you saw on TV. Um, so I'll work my way back to that. But over the past, I don't know, five, six years or so, I've really gotten into non-superhero comics more. Okay. Yeah. Um, and there's a few writers that are sort of behind that, but sort of the king of all of those writers who I will buy anything this guy does. I think you know where I'm going. Yep, yep. Is a guy named Jeff Lemire. So, and he wrote The Underwater Welder. Ah, everything's backwards. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I show, I just, this is just one book that he wrote that I love, right. but there are so many good comic book writers out there writing such interesting and amazing things. Um, Jeff Lemire, Matt Kent, Colin Bunn, Rick Remender, like so many amazing comic book writers and so many good stories. So I have to say that because that's kind of what's <laughs> forming me right now. But um, when I was a kid and a teenager and I was reading comics, I was always struck by, um, you know, making the characters feel like real people. Mm. And, and the two biggest ways that I would always be impacted by that were when they put a character through a very, very deep struggle. Yeah. Or when we got to see pictures of legacy, which I've talked a whole lot about on the show before. I love legacy. Mm -hmm. um, but when you talk about deep struggles and stuff like that and putting these characters through these things that real people go through, like loss of loved ones and mm. like, I mean, a death in the family, you know, Batman, a death mm. in the family. Ah, I suck at this. Um, I, don't, I don't have any visuals, so. This is, <laughs> this is when they killed off the second Robin. You know, when they mm. killed off Jason Todd. Um, I remember reading that and I was just like, oh my gosh, they killed Robin. Like, mm. I can't believe that they did that. Yeah. And the first time that I saw that was actually one of the very first comics I ever discovered on the spinning racks at Walden Books, you know, <laughs> when I would go to the mall, um, is Crisis on Infinite Earths. Oh, nice. Now you talk about killing off characters. I mean, on this cover alone, you can see Flash running to his death and Superman holding a dead Supergirl. And I mean, there was so many. This was the story was meant to reboot the entire DC universe. So they killed almost everybody off. But just to see that, to see the fact that these characters, A, that they all knew each other, like that wasn't in my head yet. Like I'd seen the Super Friends. So I'm like, yeah, Batman and Superman, they're buddies, right? But. <laughs> all of this, all of this depth of characters and, and it was a, you know, it was a uh, embarrassment of riches because I found the first comic I found was drawn by George Perez, who to this day is one of the best comic book artists of all time. Um, and he can put so many characters on a page and still make it cool and definable. It's insane. So He's the Joss I just, Whedon. He's the Joss, Joss Whedon of comic book artist oh joss whedon wishes he was george perez um, <laughs> whoa okay yeah, i'll stand by fired. that yeah, i'll stand by that um he also wishes he was marv wolfman by the way who wrote the crisis on infinite earths and um speaking of marv wolfman and george perez probably the most impactful comic to me to date um was the new teen titans so this is just one of my many new teen titans books and the reason 
for that is legacy. So, you know, when I was a kid, I knew about Batman and Robin, right? I knew Batman had a sidekick. He had Robin. What I did not know is that in the comics, they let these characters grow up and they let them become Mm -hmm. their own people. And there's real evolution and real change and real things to follow along if you put in the time. And legacy just totally blew me away, you know? I mean, and it continues to be an important thing to me. Like, I used to be like, I was more like the legacy, right? Because I think about it in terms of my dad. And now I think about it in terms of my son, like it's my legacy. And it's just this theme that I can't let go of. And I'm almost always more intrigued by the characters that are inspired by characters, you know? Mm -hmm. So Robin, Dick Grayson is actually my favorite character, Nightwing. He's more intriguing to me than Batman. The Winter Soldier is more intriguing to me than Captain America. Mm. You know, Miles Morales is more intriguing to me than Peter Parker. And the list Mm. just goes on. Like, it's almost always true. Mm. And um, I think I'm just fascinated by these characters that are inspired by another character. And then they add their own stamp to it. Mm. So, and the new Teen Titans is all those characters, right? The Teen Titans originally were sidekicks. That's where they started. So it was the sidekicks of Batman, Wonder Woman, The Flash, Green Arrow, and Aquaman. And then they all grow into their own people. Mm. And um, I don't know, man, it's just been, that's been the thing that I love in storytelling more than anything else ever since. If you had to pick one comic of all those ones that you just shared about, which comic would you have chosen? The New Teen Titans. That's definitely Mm. my, Mm. that's the most impactful one to me. So I don't, I wouldn't say that it's the best stories I've ever read, but. Right. Conceptually, it just it hit me harder than anything else. It made me love comics, which, you know, I've kind of gone in and out of a little bit over the years, but it's never really left me. And that meant that's, that was pretty special when we had Chuck Patton on the show then. Yeah. Chuck Patton was a huge deal. He didn't I mean, he did do some work on the, the new Teen Titans, but he worked on a version of the Justice League that was just ending when I got into comics. So oh, he, no way. Yeah, he worked on what's called the Detroit era of the Justice League, which is, um, it's a long story, but that particular era of the Justice League was just kind of coming to a close when I was getting mm-hmm. into comics. And then a whole new one started, which was arguably like, it started off way more comedic and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. when I was starting to read, like, you know, I'd seen the Justice League on cartoons and stuff like that, but I go to read it in comics and it's almost a comedy. And I'm like, this is so goofy. Like this doesn't seem, <laughs> this seems like an inferior justice league. And then later on, when we sort of returned to the original glory of the justice league, like when Grant Morrison came in and started bringing some of that back, I was like, Oh yes, it was an inferior justice league, but there were some cool stories then too. So we have a cool story because um, I bring up Chuck Patton because Daryl and I went to Los Angeles comic-con. And uh, Daryl was looking to buy some, pick up some comics and stuff like that. And uh, there's a lot of collect- collectibles, obviously, at Comic Cons, if you guys have been there. And we're walking through the different aisles. And, and Daryl, I can't remember which artist it was that you wanted to buy from. But you and I had, you, I don't want you to say the name either, because we didn't have the best experience with that particular person. <laughs> um, and, and so you were kind of like, ah, I'm not sure. Like, there's not really anything that I really want to get. And it just so happened. I honestly Chuck- don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember who it was either. But we've had. I know a, we've there had was. 
there was one guy that I bought. Um, I'll say his name because he's awesome. There's a guy named Norm Ratman that I bought something mm. from. Um, I, that stands out to me because we invited him onto the show, but he doesn't really do that kind of thing. But super nice guy. And I still have his piece hanging up on the wall that I bought. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, and that was awesome. He was he's a fantastic artist. But we were we were walking along and we started we we saw that um, Chuck Patton wasn't talking to anybody, and so yeah. we stopped by and probably talked to Chuck Patton for I don't know maybe maybe like forty minutes or something like that. It was a long yeah. time. You bought a book from him. He drew a picture in your book, and yeah. then we said, "Hey, do you ever want to come on our show? It'd be really great to have you on the show. We can talk about you know we talked about Superman with him, but at the time we were like, you want to talk about something else?" And um, and he's like, "Yeah, sure, I'd love to." Well, we tried to have a show with him, but he couldn't get the technology to work. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and he and he told us he said, you know what, I'm I'm kind of an older school guy, like I don't do the technology that well. And this is back in the day when the studio was in where we recorded in was in my backyard. And I go, well, do you want to just come to the studio? <laughs> like, and so here it is, Chuck Patton just shows up at my house, and we bought from him LA. From, like he drove all the way LA. down from LA. Yeah, like over an hour. I know, all the way from LA. We bought him. We bought him some Chick Fil A. He, he he ate with us That's right. here in the studio, and uh, you know, and then we recorded about Superman, and that was just such a cool like. Uh, what did he say about us? He's like, he's just kind of cool to hang out with a couple of people, like just like talking comics and stuff. But that was so cool that he did that. Oh he my gosh! Here and hung out with us. It was one uh, of my favorite experiences on the whole show, like just getting to sit there and talk with him. And he was super yeah. open. Like he was super. Like he talked about how he was a foster kid and about how, yeah, you know, Superman really speaks to him in that way. And yep. um, it was a very, a very memorable, impactful episode. And I, yeah. I, I still interact with him every now and then on Facebook and stuff like that. And I would love to get him back on. He's just a, he's just a very gentle person. A very gentle. He's an soul. awesome dude. And I really appreciated that. I actually, um, uh, we saw him at another convention after that one. Um, and I walked over and hung out with him a little bit and I actually ran his booth for a few minutes while he went to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> you never know when the story geeks will show up and what will, what will yeah. help you with. Speaking Our of, services were available. Speaking of, I did, I, I helped out with the network 1901 booth one time too. So, um, that was true. Well, it wasn't a network 1901 booth, but still I helped out the, the crew over there. I also um, have to say in the world of comics, while we're talking about that and the show, Mm -hmm. We also, you know, while we're reminiscing on the show a little bit, we also got to talk to Dan Jurgens, who oh yeah, that's right. I didn't talk to Dan Jurgens. You did. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Which I didn't mention before, but that was a huge deal when that came out. And talking to him was, I mean, that guy, that guy draws my Superman. Like when I see a Dan Jurgens drawn Superman, I'm like, oh yeah, that's what it's supposed to look like. So <laughs> I mean, legitimately a hero to get to talk to him too. Yeah, I didn't get to talk to him, but that was that was a cool show to listen to. Um, okay, so uh, Monty says that the most impactful geek show to him right now is Legion, um, and yeah, and then also uh, just in his life, the old kids TV show Arthur made him who uh, he is. Nice. And then uh, what else we got here? We got uh, Facebook user, which is probably Mary Baldwin, says love Stephen King books. I'm assuming that's Mary. Um, and then, so talk to me about you, I probably, well, okay. So two things, network 1901, Josh Taylor says as a Batman fan, I'm surprised that you haven't said the killing joke. 
<laughs> why why haven't you said the killing joke? Well, now there's a nice little bit of trivia for us to reminisce on. All right, let me talk about the killing joke. The killing joke as a then comic. let me talk about the movie. <laughs> yes. So the killing joke as a comic. Yeah. Fantastic. Like very dark, but very, very cool story. Iconic, because that's when Barbara Gordon, who was Batgirl, got shot and crippled and became Oracle, who was arguably a better character than Batgirl was. Um, beautiful art in that by an artist named Brian Bolland. Mm. Awesome comic book artist. So, yeah, I mean, that was I knew about that for years, and I loved that story. And then the movie came out, the animated movie. And you were like, uh, you and I were like, yes, let's go see that, and let's podcast on it immediately. And I walked out of it going, dude, I do not want to talk about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> you immediately bailed on me on that one. I, yeah. I did. I did. Because it was just stupid. I mean, we don't need to go into it, but they added story to it because the original story is basically just one issue. It's not like a big, long story. Well, let me go into it a little bit because because the, the original comic is just one issue. Yeah. Um, it is an example of essentially of violent graphic uh not not fridging because the character doesn't die but of it uh it, it is implied heavily implied that the joker sexually assaults um oracle or right. barbara gordon right and then the joker goes on proceeds to torture um her father commissioner gordon Mm-hmm. Um, and then at what time? At, at what point in time? You know, Batman shows up, and then they have an altercation, and then it ends ambiguously about whether or not Batman has finally chosen whether or not to kill the Joker, and that's like yeah. the, the killing joke. This is the last joke, and I get killed because of it because Batman loses all sense of his moral code. Yeah, and the whole idea is to try and prove that. I think the Joker is trying to prove that Batman is really just one bad day away from being the Joker. Exactly. And the it gives a little bit more backstory to who the Joker is, which is sort of an inspiration for the Joker movie, actually, which is why the Joker movie is called an adapted screenplay, not an original screenplay, because mm-hmm. it's not like the killing joke that much at all. But yeah. it just gets some inspiration from it. Uh, so just some fun facts for you guys. But we go to see this movie and there's already an issue <sighs> relative to this fridging concept. And the whole fridging concept is about the overused trope, especially in comics, that a female character, usually a girlfriend of some sort, a love interest of some sort, is in danger or is killed or is hurt. And that is a trigger for the male character to then, you know, become a hero. Yeah. And it, um, it comes from a Green Lantern comic when, uh, Green Lantern's girlfriend was murdered and shoved into a fridge. That's why it's called fridging. Fridging. There you go. Um, and so that was the problem with the Killing Joke to begin with. Killing Joke was written by Alan Moore. By the way, the comics industry was largely male. Um, and what was yeah. so great about talking to Chuck Patton is the comic book industry was largely male, largely white. And mm-hmm. um, Chuck, Chuck Patton is. Um, black so that was that was cool to talk to him and see like how you know black comic creators were doing at that time uh, we didn't go into depth on that but it was cool to just to have him just speak on 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 that um and the problem with the movie is that it actually 
you would have thought that they would have updated it so that the fridging aspects of it were not as drastic. But they like quadrupled down and made Barbara Gordon like a sex-starved crazy person yeah. who wants to have sex with Batman. Like it's so weird. Not just wants to. Did. Did? Are you sure? I mean, didn't it didn't it happen in the movie or, or should she did she I just try to blocked it? I might have blocked it from my it mind. Happen. Have, oh my gosh. They added a bunch of story to it because there wasn't enough story in the original comic. And yeah. just I mean, I'm a big fan of a lot of DC's animated films, but that was that it was, was horrible. A, that was gross, gross failure. It was horrible. Um, but but so let's get off the negativity. Um, Josh Taylor uh, mentioned that we could all go to the mall and get an Orange Julius and hit up a Walden Books and a Sam Goody. Yeah, and play at the arcade. And I'm down to do that. Let's go just watch Stranger Things. Uh, watch party of Stranger Things <laughs> season three. That'd be perfect. Um, and then uh, Josh also says, please let Jay's geek attraction be Captain EO. It's not Captain EO. <laughs> Uh, no, it's not Captain EO. I, I do have a there is a special place in my heart for Captain EO because it's basically George Lucas at his most ridiculous of all. It's like George Lucas went full Jar Jar mode. <laughs> I was gonna say, have you seen the original, the prequel trilogy? Yeah, he just uh, yeah, well, it was that, but like prequel trilogy on steroids. It's crazy. Mm. Captain EO is almost apocalypse now compared to the prequel trilogy, <laughs> <laughs> maybe so. Maybe so. But anyways, um, so I will speak to what Josh is talking about in regards to the attractions and stuff. I, I think that um, what's really crazy is that if you go to, which you can't go right now, but Disneyland or California Adventure or any of the um, Disney World parks, they really have some amazing shows. And so one of the things I brought up was like stage shows or any geek stage shows. But to me, like the embodiment of what Disney is doing in terms of storytelling immersiveness is pretty amazing. And I... I got to literally the, the, uh, so Disneyland closed on a Saturday, meaning it was not accessible to the public any longer because of coronavirus. The Thursday before the Saturday, I went to Disneyland to Galaxy's Edge with co hosts of the show, Justin Weaver. And Justin and I went on Rise of the Resistance. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, it is, I understand they say it's a ride, but honestly, it is more like you just, I'm not going to spoil anything, but it's like you walked onto the movie. You walked onto the set of the movie and it is a show that happens around you. And I just have to say that that is, there's just, people said that they got off the ride and cried. And I'm like, that's insane. I've never, I've never had the experience of getting off of a ride and like thinking I'm going to cry. I will tell you that it is such a confusing set of emotions because it is so immersive that you're just like, I am Han Solo. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I'm, I'm just in this. I'm in the movie, and I don't know what to it's do. Not about a good it. thing, based on where that seems to take place. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah. There's a hole in my heart from my, yeah. from my darn son. Um, but anyways, uh, I, 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 darn I, son. <laughs> yeah. So, but the original but, title of episode nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was JJ's title. No, like, JJ, yeah. you can't do that. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, that was kind of my my theater or attraction sort of call out there. Um, not Captain EO. I'm sorry, Josh. Um, and then I had a couple other uh, mentions that I wanted to throw out there. And the 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 biggest two were the Knights of the Old Republic games. There was a Knights of the Old Republic one, right, Knights yeah. of the Old Republic two. I will tell you that those <laughs> games actually taught me leadership in ways that books 
could not have ever done. Mm. Um, because what they did was they did this artful thing of saying, not only will your behaviors impact the people around you and the people that have decided to align themselves with you, but even the conversations that you have and whether or not you build them up or tear them down, that will cause them to act differently based on your interactions with them. And most games never go that far. Like most games never get to a place where it's like, I learned leadership from a game. Like, yeah. Um, but the fact that you can learn, I, I guarantee you, go play the game. If you pay attention during that game, you will learn how to how to how to influence other people, and you'll realize as you're learning that you can influence them towards the dark side or influence them towards the light side. And literally, that is the case with every other human being you deal with. Like, if you choose to go into a relationship and you choose to bring negativity and bad energy, I'm, I'm, I'm bad energy, whatever that means, but like, you know, like you're saying negative things into them and speaking ne negative things into them and encouraging them not to love other people, they will start to turn a corner where they they go down the, to the dark side effectively. And um, the same thing is true if you try and feed life into people. And uh, and that, those games are pretty powerful for that reason and fantastic stories. So you can actually get Knights of the Old Republic, uh, the first game, on your tablet, which I highly recommend, or even on your phone. But the tablet's a little bit better of an experience. And um, I highly recommend you do that because they're amazing. Did you, did you ever go play that game at all? I was hoping you wouldn't ask me that because, yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> you did? You didn't like it? It, it wasn't for me. I, I kind of lost interest in it, but uh, which was a bummer because I wanted the story. Like, I didn't really care about playing the game, but I wanted the story. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I don't know. Maybe there's a – is there a comic or something out there I can go find? Yeah, probably. Yeah. If you if you um, if you don't like role playing games, then you probably won't like it. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, but I loved it. Um, and we got a hey guys from somebody, but it doesn't show me your name. So if you're on Facebook and you make a comment, let me know who you are because I want to say hey back. Um, so last thing on my list, and then we'll transition into the rest of the show where we talk about what's coming up. Um, but the last thing on my list is a book. And it is not the most in influential book that I've ever read because that title would probably go to um, Huckleberry Finn, mm. which I think is a really, really important book about what it teaches you about how you think the world is supposed to operate and yet it doesn't operate that way. And that's and that's really, really important. And, it, and I think it can those kind of books. And this is why I love the power of storytelling. Huckleberry Finn grows up in the South in a very and, and it befriends Jim. And everyone looks at Jim in a negative way. And yet Huckleberry Finn realizes as, as he goes on this trip with Jim, that Jim is 100% um, his equal and everyone else is wrong. And that's crazy. When that book came out, that's such a revolutionary work. And I think the book is still really good today. But I love books that can change people's minds and change their the thought process about how they live their lives. Um, I wish with wish we had more of that today um, mm -hmm. for the reasons we we could use those things. But but um, the actual oh hey Caitlin, <laughs> um, but the actual book that I I chose is actually a geek book, and it is uh, Treasure Island. <laughs> um, Treasure oh, sure. Island, yeah, because it's a, it's a fantasy book. It's a fantasy book about pirates that never existed, and it's really fun. It's really enjoyable. There, there's, there are, there's such a level of suspense. 
children are in danger throughout the book because young Jim Hawkins goes on an adventure with pirates. It is an unlikely thing to happen, but it happens anyways. And I just remember thinking to myself as a kid that it was so compelling because all of the conflict that is that just happens that comes up because there's these kids, there's a kid on like trying to trying to deal with these pirates and trying to, to find this hidden treasure. And there's this moment where you're reading about it in the beginning. This is a, this is a key way of delivering suspense in stories. But these pirates show up to the Benbow Inn where Jim Hawkins is um, it, where he worked. His parents owned the Benbow Inn. Um, and they, these pirates keep showing up and going like, whatever you do, like watch out for the one-legged man. And you're like, ooh, the one-legged man. And then you meet Long John Silver and he's not that bad. And you're like, oh, Long John Silver's awesome. And then of course, he's the villain. You know, like, it's just good. Like the way they handle that's all really, really, really good. Um, so before we transition into your section, Daryl, I got Jim Baldwin saying X-Wing and TIE Fighter games from the 80s were awesome. That's true. They were very awesome. Um, Josh Taylor says that he is a Galaga and Qbert fan. <laughs> yeah, I love Galaga. And you know what? My son loves Galaga. My seven-year-old son really? loves it. Yeah. I didn't play, I didn't ever really play Galaga that much, or I didn't really play Qbert that much either. I did play way back in the day before ever they ever came out with the Castle Wolfenstein 3D game. Um, there was a Castle Wolfenstein game where you were literally a stick figure. <laughs> I did play that game. I did play that game. Um, and then uh, Jim Baldwin says that the Thrawn series from Timothy Zahn, which is a super popular series, was influential and impactful to him. And uh, so, yeah. So thanks for joining us for that part of the show. The next part of the show, I'm handing over to Daryl because we are talking about what the Story Geeks podcast is sort of shifting into, what we're going to be doing in the future. Yeah, so, um, you know, we are, by the time this episode comes out, it'll be just about the middle of June in 2020. That's right. And this podcast started as the Reclamation Society podcast in June of 2016. So we've been doing this for just almost right exactly four years. Yeah. How noncommittal is that? Just almost right exactly. Throw another four years. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, if you look at the feed on the podcast, this is going to be episode 195. Um, but if you count other stuff we've done, I mean, we've definitely done more than 200 episodes. And so it's been, you know, we've been at this for four years. I mean, technically, Jay's been at it just a little bit longer than I have. I came in, I don't know, three or four episodes into the show or something like yeah, that. But not, not that many. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, over that amount of time, we have built this awesome community of people, which includes you guys. It includes everybody who's listening to this and everybody who's commenting on this and all these familiar faces, Josh, Jim, Mary, Monty, Caitlin, like everybody and so many more people and all of our other hosts too. Like this was just Jay when it started and then it was just Jay and I. Yeah. And now there's seven of us, <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, it's a lot. A yeah. Lot. And so, um, you know, it's just the two of us now, but now we also have Justin and Sandra and Nick and Priscilla and Natalie and um, just this awesome team of hosts. Um, and we've kind of realized over the years that um, the show has sort of morphed and changed and become different things at different times. Mm-hmm. And um, it seems like maybe it has gotten away a little bit from what we originally intended it to be. And so we're going to kind of course correct that. 
And so the show is not going away by any means. Um, in fact, I, I really believe it's about to get even better and more exciting to listen to. Um, but this particular episode is a bit of an end of an era because now we're going to sort of reboot things. Um, it's not crazy. Don't worry. It's still the story geeks. <laughs> it's still <laughs> us. Although one big change is um, you're going to hear less of Jay. Going to hear less of me. Yep. Yes. Um, Cause we've realized we don't really like him. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're out here, dude. <laughs> Wait, what happened? No, it's, I mean, um, you know, in addition to the podcast, Jay is starting a business. He's running a nonprofit. And so, um, that demands more of his time and you're going to see a lot more of him on YouTube as well. Mm. So he will pop into the store to the podcast from time to time. Um, but moving forward, it's really going to be mostly driven by myself and the other hosts. And um, we are the biggest change to the show. There will be a new structure and um, some new features and stuff like that. That's all sort of being worked out and ironed out. You know, we as a team are building those things and we're still working on that. But the biggest thing we're going to do is if you listen to our shows at the end of every show, Jay, what do we say? Question everything in your favorite geek stories and always seek the truth. And always seek the truth. That is what we're leaning into. So we've been digging deeper. We've been making things better. We've been nerd fighting. And all of those things get at the truth in one way or another. But the truth is what we love. The truth is what we believe matters. Mm. And um, so we're going to be more specific and more direct about seeking truth. So you're not going to hear us say things like dig deeper anymore. We're going to say seek truth. And we have some ideas for new formats and ways to do that. It's still going to be thoughtful conversation, hopefully more thoughtful and even deeper and more real life, you know, talking about how these stories that we love really impact our lives and inform our lives or in some cases confuse our lives and make things more difficult because that happens too. So the idea is that we're really going to lean into that. And um, I hope that you will like what's coming. So this is sort of the final episode of the Story Geeks as it exists now, but it's not. It's by no means ending. I believe after this, we're going to have a series of video game-based shows hosted mm -hmm. by Justin. Yep. Um, and then after that, we are going to take a little bit of a break as we prepare the new version of the show. Um, I don't know. I don't think we've exactly decided when the new version is going to premiere. Yeah, we haven't decided on a premiere date yet, but we'll, part of part of the part of the reason you need to um, take a a rest period is because we are thinking about new scheduling times because we actually want to have a better produced show. In order to have a better produced show, you need extra time built into your yes. ability to produce them, and so and just getting a few guests aligned and things like that is really important to be able to get to that next stage. So yeah, we'll go on hiatus yeah. for a little bit, but you probably won't recognize the hiatus that much because Justin and yeah. Ryan will be working on a podcast together. <laughs> yeah. And it's not going to be crazy long. I mean, we're not going to disappear for months, you know? Right. Um, and you know, another thing I didn't mention is I think, you know, we have some ideas for a new format for the show, which will really facilitate you getting to know, the hosts better, you know, because 
right now we have the perspective is sort of whoever's hosting the show per se it is the person that writes the questions and sort of drives the whole conversation. And we have some ideas for how to change that up and make it less dependent on one person and be able to inject the real personality and worldview of everybody into each episode. And when we have guests come on, that same thing would happen from them. So I, I really truly believe that what we're working on is going to take the best part of what our show is and amplify it. That's really our goal. Uh, and someone's asking me, you don't need to answer on the show, but send me a message. What is the oval frame over your left shoulder? Oh, that is Alex. <laughs> that is Alex Leonis's picture of the scoops. Ahoy, Steve Harrington was, and Robin, Robin, Steve and Robin from, uh, from, uh, Stranger Things. Things. Yeah. Um, Alexandria Leonis is Alexandria Leonis is from the Lipstick and Life, Lightsabers podcast that is associated, used to be associated with Network 1901. And Fun a very talented artist. Oh, super talented artist. Yeah, works on the Tangled animated series, by the way. Um, so let me respond to a couple things that Daryl said because I'm super excited about the new direction that the podcast is going and um, and just a little bit about why I'm, you're not going to hear from me quite as much. Um, so part of running a business, and I used to say this over and over again, when I was coaching entrepreneurship teams, I used to say over and over again, like you need to concentrate on revenue because if you don't concentrate on revenue enough, then you will not be sustainable and that you will go out of business and then you won't have a thing at all. And so the thing that people loved you for is gone and, uh, that's a problem. And, um, over the years, uh, you know, I used to have a, a full-time job and I was doing the podcast on the side. That really set back our original stories. It didn't slow the podcast down all that much, but it gave me some, some what you would say from an entrepreneurship standpoint, it gave me some bad behaviors. And that was not focusing enough on revenue. And then at the beginning of this year, um, we actually were set up to start to get a lot more revenue a lot faster. And a lot of you guys who are watching have been super great supporters. And I'm really appreciative to all of you. But we started to do some things that were um, going to kind of bring some new donors into the fold and that we'd have some new donors associated with the organization. And then pandemic hits. And several of these donors are big donors that you just, you don't go meet them on Zoom and ask for money. You have to go meet them in person. Like their names that you, not only would you recognize them, um, but you do not want to look like an idiot in front of them. Let's just put it that way. And, uh, and so that has been kind of taken off the table for right now. And so then that leaves you with a, okay, well, if the podcast doesn't bring in revenue, it brings in a little bit of revenue, but it doesn't bring in a lot of revenue. The podcast doesn't bring in a lot of revenue and the donations that you get for the nonprofit, um, you're not able to build them as fast as you would like to. Uh, and the original stories do make us money, but they make us, you know, not, not a lot of money. Um, and they require a lot of advertising dollars to spend too. Um, but anyways, all I have to say, I thought I was thinking about it and I was thinking like, well, what am I being called specifically to? And I, back from November, I've been trying to think about this more and more, like, what am I specifically being called to do? And this team of awesome people has been built up around the podcast. And so you don't need to hear another perspective on truth necessarily, because we have a really good crew of people that will talk about truth in really compelling ways and about films in really compelling ways. And one of the things that was really imparted on, um, on me in terms of what I was being called to do was this sense of like, I really love putting together and creating 
original stories. So how could I somehow make uh, bring in revenue for the Reclamation Society based on what I've learned myself? And so I'm developing basically an e-learning an e platform um, where people will come to the e-learning platform to be able to learn how to write and produce their own original stories. And of course, I'll be talking the whole time about not only do I think you should do that, but you should make them deep and meaningful too. Um, and so the YouTube channel, our other YouTube channel, not the one that you'd be watching on right now, that's the Story Geeks YouTube channel, but the, the Reclamation Society YouTube channel is going to be sort of a lot of videos about that, how to write and produce your own um, stories, whether they're, uh, whether they're books or whether they're films or whether they're whatever. And I'll be talking a lot about what we're doing with our original films and how we're producing those. And then I'll be doing really in depth. Like I have workbooks and everything. I'm like a full professor, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, those, those courses are going to be start coming out pretty soon. And that's what I will be concentrated on. And I, I just, there was no way for me to do that and do the podcast because the podcast was getting to the point where, you know, I was spending probably like 30, 35 hours in the podcast. And that doesn't leave a lot of, I mean, it's like half the amount of hours I work in a week, but it's still not enough time to be able to do a lot more things. And so, um, so yeah, that's what I'm going to transition into more. You'll hear me every once in a while. I'm still going to be an executive producer on the podcast. So I'm going to be in the meetings with the team. And, um, and I'm really excited because one of the things that, that is a heavy time right now, and we all got a lot going on. And I was kind of like, didn't know what to do about the podcast. Cause I'm like, I don't know if anybody's going to be feel like they want to step into a podcast and like figure out how to make it better. And um, so thankfully Daryl was sort of inspired and was like, yeah, I'd like to do that. And so I'm like, that's awesome. Cause that sounds amazing. So thank special thanks to Daryl for that. Really appreciative of that. And um, but I'll be, I'll be still involved and I'll, you'll see me on, on Patreon every now and again and stuff like that too. So that's kind of cool. Um but yeah, that's that's kind of the, the the trajectory we're taking. I think it's really good. Oh, the other, the other thing I wanted to say on the Story Geeks YouTube channel, I actually have a um, a master's uh, student who is coming to be an apprentice for the Reclamation Society for uh, a nine month period, and he's going to be taking over the Story Geeks YouTube channel. So the Story Geeks YouTube channel is going to have consistent content um, because he's coming in and, and doing that. And I still have some videos I need to post, like Josh Taylor and I did a whole top 10 TV shows on Disney plus that you should be watching. So I still need to, to publish that. Um, I just been working on this e-learning course so much that I haven't been able to do that, but um, yeah, we got lots of cool stuff coming up. It's just a matter of changes require lots and lots and lots of energy. So um, I'm thankful to the team for putting that energy and I'm thankful to all of you guys for, for hanging out with us this whole time. What else, Daryl? What else is there? Is that it? You know, I guess the only other thing I would say is um, this new format for the show that we're working on is actually uh, different enough and new enough that it opens up the opportunity for us to go back and talk about things that we've already talked about. Mm. So because we'll hit it in new ways. Um, so you will see us talking about movies that we have already talked about, but it'll be a new conversation mm. um, with a new aim. And I'm actually very excited about that yeah and the one thing i'll the one thing i'll say too is we haven't decided if we're going to I, i've noticed i i study this stuff a lot behind the, behind the scenes like you guys see me i'm on the podcast and i'm talking about geek stuff it's fun behind the scenes i'm like constantly like taking in data and looking at like what's going on on our youtube channels and you know how do we how do we get more search engine optimization and how do we do this stuff 
because because obviously we want to build the community, build the podcast, have more people come into the podcast and listen to the podcast. If you look back into our statistics, um, the biggest podcast that we have ever done, nine of our top 10 shows were on Marvel, on the MCU specifically. Um, the 10th show was not Star Wars, which you would assume, right? Um, Star Wars is just below it. But the 10th show is actually the Game of Thrones show that we did. Um, and so- Oh, I thought it was gonna be the Meg. <laughs> no. Darn. No, unfortunately, no. Um, maybe maybe we should do another show. I mean, you get, you get to do another show on the Meg. <laughs> That's such a frustrating point in the history of our show because uh, I gotta be honest, we wasted a guest on the Meg. Yeah, like we, we had an amazing guest for that show, um, Ali Plum, who's a host for BBC Radio One in the UK, and he's been on the Empire podcasts, and he's a big deal. I mean, you can go on YouTube and see him interviewing the biggest of the big, you know. And I mean, he was really fun. It was a super fun episode, but like, we got to get him back and talk about something that actually has some depth to it. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it'd be it'd be really good to have him on the show. He's he's a very gregarious, friendly, funny guy. Um, but yeah, so anyways, the 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 idea will be to go back into the Marvel playing field for a bit. But let me let me just say one other thing that um, we haven't. The intent of the Story Geeks is for the the Story Geeks to become a network. So one of the things that we're doing with the video game show, and if you guys really like the video game show, then I need to hear your feedback on it, and uh, and so that we can you know kick that off into its own show. But on the video game. We're testing the video game show because we really want to have each of the different shows has its sort of its own topic, maybe. Um, we haven't landed on that fully yet, but one of the things I look at when I look at data is that people come to your show because you're talking about a thing. And it's hard when you're talking about a lot of different kinds of things because when you're talking about a lot of different kinds of things, a lot of people haven't seen those shows or haven't seen those movies and they just happen to be a Star Wars fan. They just happen to be a Marvel fan. And so they tend to drop off after you stop talking about the thing that you wanted to talk about. And so one of the ideas that we've had is that we could start to underneath the Story Geeks umbrella, underneath the Story Geeks network, we could actually have lots of different types of shows, uh, whether it's like the horror show with Sandra and the Marvel show and the DC show and the, the sci-fi show. I mean, I'm not talking like, five years in the future now, but that would be cool to do. So if there's topics that you guys want to hear us talk about, then let us know what those, those look like. I've gotten feedback from a lot of our patrons already that they all love Marvel and that that is, that'd be a cool thing to talk about. So that's what we're going to start to talk about with this particular show that um, we're going to be doing. But, um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And it may, it may be that we find out new things as we pursue this direction. And then we have to adjust a little bit from there. And but we're not getting so far off the normal kind of show that it's going to be like off brand for what the Story Geeks has been. It's just it's just more on brand <laughs> is yeah. what it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Should I should I uh, should I take the time to tell how the idea for the Story Geeks podcast even came up in the first place? I mean, I think you have to now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll try to do it fast because I know we're already at an hour and fifteen, and and I, I need to wrap it up, but. I was um, I was going to a church. I was an elder at the church, actually, which is crazy. Uh, the only elder, I believe, that had a sleeve, a full tattoo sleeve at that time. Um, but uh, I think I actually got the sleeve after that. Now I think about it. Um, it does not matter. Uh, and I heard from a guy who was talking about um, having deep 
conversations with other people about spirituality. And he said that there was a methodology that was working really well internationally for being able to do that. And the way that it would work is that you would introduce to these people a story that was about Jesus Christ. And then you would ask three questions about that story. You would ask, what does this tell us? What is the story telling us is true about God? What is the story telling us is true about humans? And what is the story telling us is true about the relationship between God and humans? And then he said, these conversations don't really work in America. And I, and I thought about that for a minute. And he's like, we don't know why they don't work in America. They just don't work in America. Yeah. And I th at the time, I had thought that, you know what? I think the reason they don't work is because the American church has done a lot of things that have been pretty negative. And when you talk to someone that's in my generation, Daryl's generation and younger, they have a preconceived notion of where those deep um, conversations are going to go because they're thinking about the political nature of what the church ha has previously been. And so they're thinking you're going to go into this like hardcore mode. And I thought, okay, well, if that's the case, as a storyteller, what stories are the most important things that we, how we teach each other and how we learn from things. And so I thought to myself, well, what if we just talked about those kind of, had these kind of conversations, digging deeper, seeking truth about the stories that we all love that are on the big screen, right? Or on our TV screens. And that's really where the conversation is like, how can you have deep, meaningful conversations with people? Because the world seems to be wanting to tear itself apart and define itself as other and define itself as like, we're not the same and you're bad. But but how do you break that barrier? How do you break the barrier of saying like, well, we don't get along and we can't see eye to eye. That's it's a needless. It's a needless thing to do, especially when you can interact with people at a deeper level. And so that's why we started this. The. Reclamation Society podcast back then, what became the Story Geeks podcast was about getting to those deep conversations, getting to ideas about what people hold as truth. Because if you look at hum humans and the, the needs that humans have, it's because we're all seeking truth in some way, shape or form. And we should probably talk about that. And so that's where that's where it came from. Yeah. And the byproduct of it, which I think um, we're going to commit to going forward, too, is positivity and fandom mm. because there's so much negativity and so much toxicity in fandom and man people on the internet can hate you for liking what you like and <laughs> yeah. it is so ugly and um you know one of the things i love about our show is i feel like we've been consistently positive for the past four years and we're going to commit to do that you know even more and constantly mm. as we go yeah. and those you know i just i love the shows and the creators that put the effort into being a positive light in fandom. Josh Taylor is watching this and he's one of those people too. He's, he does positive fandom and, and I, you know, I just, that's one of the things I love about our show that I don't think we set out to do that, but, um, but that's the way it's been. And the, the other great thing about that, that actually ends up helping us seek truth because we can bring on people who have a different worldview than we do. You know, we can bring on somebody who believes an entirely different thing than we believe and finds truth in a different way and find something true to them that may not feel true to us. Um, 
and we can sit there and have a respectful, honest, impactful conversation about it mm-hmm. without any negativity and without any conflict. And exactly. that's, that's something else we're really going to try to lean into as we move forward. Yeah. Yeah. And so Daryl's Daryl's concept, like he said, is like bringing bringing questions to the table that have revealed truth and that the 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 guests and the hosts can talk about relative to that particular movie. And so we'll be get doing that with um, we will be doing that with the Marvel Universe, starting with the Marvel Universe. And we'll see where things take us from there. But over the summer, the video game um, show uh, is going to be on the main channel. And if it does really well, we're going to move it to its own channel. So you guys have to let me know how it goes. But what they're going to do is they're going to post in the Story Geeks Facebook group the games that they're going to be playing so that you can play along with them. And that then when they talk about it, you can you there's there's uh, there's stuff that you can bring to the table effectively because you're talking about it with them. So just just to put that out there, FYI, that is something that you guys can uh, can do. Anything else, speaking, speaking of positivity, that one's going to be hosted by Justin Weaver. Yeah, and he's the reigning king of positivity. Reigning king of positivity, and his friend Ryan, who's also like incredibly positive. If you were hanging out with him in college, you'd just be like looking back and forth, being like, <laughs> "Who are these two? Why are they so positive? What are they doing? What did they uh, did they eat Lucky Charms this morning? Is that why they're being so positive? <laughs> I don't understand. But yeah, no, they're they're great, and they're going to do a. Um, they're gonna do a really uh, a really good job. So stay tuned for that, and definitely play the games because they're choosing games that will only take you about five to ten hours or less to play. So it's not gonna take over your life. It's a good time. You're in a, we're in a pandemic. A lot of people have some free time on their hands. Play a game with them. Sounds good to me. So we'll we'll go ahead and close it out there. If you guys have any feedback for us, any questions for us, feel free to message us. Um, any suggestions, you feel free to message us. And uh, if there's any kinds of topics that you want us to see topics that you might even say like launch it into its own podcast because i'd love to hear about that then let me know about that as well in the meantime thanks for all you guys who stuck with us for an hour and 20 minutes you guys are the best fans of all time um and everybody stay safe out there stay safe out there and say some positive things to people that you love even say some positive things to people you don't like go say some positive things in the world because the world is acting ridiculous right now and we need to get our acts together um, so please go be positive in someone else's life and help them seek truth because otherwise, what else are we doing? I'll step off my soapbox now. <laughs> no, no, stay on it. It's good. Uh, it's good. Yeah. Anyways, question everything in your favorite geek stories. And always seek the truth.